Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. If you're our guest this morning, thanks for uh, choosing to worship with us today. Uh, if you're uh, joining us online, welcome. Thanks for worshiping with us. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I just wanted to say really quickly, thank you to everyone who uh, said the, the kind words. You guys said exactly what I wanted you to say, so thank you for that. I'm just kidding. I had no idea they were going to do any of that. Uh, no idea they were going to do any of that. That was uh, so, so awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, we feel loved, and we feel honored, and we're just so grateful that God led us here. So... Um, uh, before I uh, jump into the message, um, uh, I just wanted to say really quickly, uh, congratulations to uh, two children of the house, AJ and Kayla. They got married last weekend, so <laughs> congratulations, guys. They didn't know I was going to do this, so I'm not trying to embarrass you guys. Just wanted to say, love you, proud of you guys, and we're so excited that you guys are married. So, um, Yes, yes. Um, we are uh, in our series, Parables of the Kingdom of God, and we've been moving right through it. Um, and in this series, there has been one main through line through every single parable we've looked at. And that main through line is that one main point is the kingdom of God is here, and it's our job to reveal it to those who don't know it yet. Who, it's our job to reveal it to those who don't see it yet. And today we're going to be looking at the parable of the hidden treasure uh, and the pearl. But I was, I was thinking about it this week, and um, as I was putting this together, I, I was thinking, man, this, this uh, parable that we're looking at this week, it reminds me of the show Undercover Boss. Has anybody ever seen that show, Undercover Boss? If you haven't seen it, Undercover Boss, it's a, an American reality TV show um, based on a British TV show of the same name. Uh, but the, the show, it depicts a person who is in an upper management level position at a major company, like a president or a CEO or a CFO or a vice president, something like that. And so they, they have this major position at, at, in this like large company and they go undercover. They disguise themselves as an entry level employee to find out like all the, like what's going wrong with the company at the like ground level essentially. Um, and that's where the gold begins, right? That's that the next half hour of the show is like just pure gold because um, these undercover bosses hear these, these people who don't know that it's the boss. They don't, they don't know that they're actually interacting with the boss. They think they're interacting with a new uh, employee. Um, and these, these bosses who are undercover hear all the dirt that these employees um, like share their talk. They talk trash about the bosses. They talk trash about the company or sometimes even worse. Like I think I remember uh, an episode where somebody admitted to this boss who was undercover that they steal regularly from their company. So I'm like, that's not going to end well. You know, it's like, so um, it's, it's pretty entertaining. But the whole premise of the show, Undercover, Undercover Boss, is that nobody recognizes the boss even when they're right in front of their face. Nobody recognizes that the boss is right there, even, even when they're right in front of their face. No, nobody recognizes. And this is a strange feeling. When somebody like you should recognize is in front of you and you don't recognize them, like, but there's that thing in your head like, man, I think I might know this person. Where do I know them from? 
You know, like I think that's happened to every single one of us. Like maybe it's happened to you with a former schoolmate or a former uh, coworker, or maybe like even like it's happened to you with a like distant relative. Like, man, I should know this person. Like uh, this person looks familiar, but I have no idea who this is. Like that's one of my worst fears is is to <laughs> walk up to somebody and introduce myself like I've never met them. Like, yeah, I know who you are. Like. You know, like, like not knowing who somebody is when you should recognize them is terrifying to me. What about the kingdom of God? Would you recognize the kingdom of God if it was right in front of your face? Or, or do you look right through it and immediately dismiss it because it's not what you thought or expected it to be? This is, this is a challenging question to answer honestly because I sadly think that many, many Christ followers wouldn't recognize the kingdom of God if it fell in their lap. They wouldn't recognize it um, because it's not what they expected it to be. And that's what I want to talk about today, recognizing the kingdom of God and, and what do we do about it. But before we dive into the scriptures, pray with me this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We ask that your word today, we would, we would allow it to penetrate our souls, to change us from the inside out. We love you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be reading just three little verses today, verses 44 through 46. This is the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. And these parables are in a string of, a, a long string of parables that Jesus has told all throughout the 13th chapter of Matthew. And they're all about the kingdom of God. And, and let's uh, look at them right now. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So very first thing, right off the bat, i got to make something clear. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous in Scripture. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, they're interchangeable. So, like, if you're sitting there asking, like, are these two different things, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God? No, the, it's the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God. And you've probably noticed right away that in this parable— Jesus doesn't compare the kingdom of heaven to seeds. In most of the other parables, it's the kingdom of heaven is like a man who throws out seed, or the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who throws out seed. He doesn't do that. He changes, he changes the, the image this time. The, the image of the field is still there, but there's no mention of seeds. Um, the kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure, and that language hidden is still there also. It's, it's still prevalent, but he's not talking about seeds anymore. He's talking about treasure, and this treasure he's talking about was discovered, right? Um, based on, on this man's excitement, he was excited because the discovery was completely un, unexpected. Um, he was just minding his own business, walking along, and he kind of stumbled upon this treasure, and he gets excited, right? He didn't even know it was there. Then this man gave up everything he owned, everything he owned, to buy the field. Everything. Verse 45, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Now, now the kingdom of God is like a merchant. Now, and you have to understand, in the world of the Bible, a merchant um, originally was uh, just a passenger on a ship. But over time, it, it, it morphed into a 
a person who was like an expert in a certain um, field of retail, essentially. So like uh, this merchant was looking for pearls. It's, it's, it's okay to assume this guy knew a thing or two about pearls. He was an expert in the pearl business. Uh, so again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Sold everything he owned. This is another gigantic statement from Jesus. Um, merchants in the, in the world of the Bible, they weren't of low status. Merchants were, were really imp important to their local economy. They, they had pretty high status, whatever community they were a part of. And Jesus said that this merchant sold everything he had, every asset. Sold his house, sold his fine clothes, probably sold every single piece of inventory he had to sell. He probably even sold the rights to his business to get this, this pearl of great value. So this is a huge statement that Jesus is making. He's, this merchant sold everything to get this pearl of great value. So two more parables, two new metaphors uh, for the kingdom of God, a hidden treasure that's suddenly discovered in a field, and a pearl that's, that um, a merchant finds, and he sells everything to attain it. Now, there's so much going on in these three little verses that if we don't slow down to look at it, we'll miss what, it, what it's saying. If we, don't, if we don't stop and examine what's going on in these parables, we, it'll just blow, it'll blow, we'll blow right by the meaning. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to unpack the meaning of the use of some of the key words in these parables. Um, to, to really help us understand what they mean. And today, the, the first word I want to look at is the word hidden. Hidden. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it's right in there. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. This word hidden is used all throughout scripture. Um, now, uh, really quickly, um, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Stick with me. It matters what I'm, what I'm going to say. But the New Testament is, is written in the language of Greek, right? It's written in, written in Greek, and, and Greek is a very common language spoken in the world of the Bible at this time. So almost everybody spoke it or read it or both. And the word Jesus uses for hidden in the original Greek is the word krupto. Say that with me. Say krupto. Oh, see, this section's got it, but I didn't hear anybody over here. Say it again. Say crypto. There we go. Crypto. And it means to hide, conceal, to be hid, to escape notice. Now, if you notice, if you look and, and realize there's two different ways you can use this word. One of the definitions implies I have this thing and I'm actively hiding it from you so you don't find it. But there's another definition, there's another use that implies there's this thing that exists, but it kind of blends in with your surroundings, and you could, you could overlook it. So there's kind of two different uses for this word, uh, crypto. I actively hide something, or there's something that just kind of blends in, and we, we, we don't really notice it. And based on what I know of the character of God, I don't believe Jesus is using the first meaning of the word. I don't believe Jesus is using this idea that God is actively hiding the kingdom of God from us, right? I, I don't, I, that's, that's against the character of God. I think he's using the, the second use. There's this thing called the kingdom of God and it's here, but it's not what you expect it to be. So if you're not looking for it, you're going to miss it. It's going to escape our notice. 
And this, worse, uh, the, this use of the word hidden can be found, again, all throughout Scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus uses it. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wide, wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. This, the way this verse sounds in English, it sounds like God has this thing and he's hidden it from certain people. But it's this word crypto that means it's gone, uh, it, it's escaped notice, right? Like the gospel writer made this statement after Jesus predicted his death. And in other words, he's saying, uh, like, even when it's literally spelled out for us, or sorry, he's saying, he's saying, um, God, he's saying, thank you for allowing the mysteries of the kingdom of God to go unnoticed by those who think themselves wise and clever. God, thank you. Thank you for th- those who think they, they know it, they know it all. It, it, the, the reality of the kingdom is escaping them. Thank you. Um, Jesus is saying this in reference to people who are seeing him, him perform miracles. He's seeing, uh, they were experiencing his miracles and they refused to repent and turn to God. He's saying, God, thank you that the reality of the kingdom escapes those people. He's not, he's not saying, God, thank you for taking this thing and hiding it from them. Thank you, God, that the reality of the kingdom escapes those people. Luke chapter 18, verse 34, he uses it again. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Um, Jesus, or the gospel writer makes this statement after Jesus predicts his uh, death to the disciples. And, and even, even when Jesus plainly says it, this is what's going to happen, the mystery still escapes understanding. The mystery still escapes Understanding, Psalm 78, verse two, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, even in the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, the scriptures talk about mysteries hidden from us, but not, again, God doesn't take it and hide it from us. They just escape our notice because it blends in. It's not what we were expecting. This isn't some, like, invisible proposition that, like, if you, like, if you mind your own business, it's going to mind its own business. Like this is, this is the reconciling power of the kingdom. And it's, it's the, the foundational principle of redemption. If it's happening, whether we pay attention to it or not, the mystery is exactly what this parable of the hidden treasure says it is. It's something worth selling anything you must to get it. The mystery is exactly what the parable says it is. It's, it, it, it's something worth selling anything you must to possess it. So that's the first word um, that, that I wanted to focus on, that I wanted to look at, hidden, crypto. Um, the next word I want to look at today is the word field. Again, found in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. Now, we've come across this word a lot. This word field, it's... it's it's come up in, in a lot of our parables. Um, and, and most of the parables, it's been the farmer spreads seed in the field. The, the sower spreads seed in the field. Um, and and this, uh, the field in those parables represents the whole world. But in this parable, the treasure isn't spread across the whole field. The treasure is found in one spot. The treasure is found in one, it's, it's found in only one spot. And the field, um, the field Jesus speaks of still has a fascinating aspect, though. The parable says that the man buys the entire field. He buys the entire field. Um, and, and this time, the field doesn't represent the whole world necessarily. The field represents 
Um, it represents an attitude. It represents a choice to go all in on the mystery of the kingdom of God. You're not necessarily going uh, to understand it. It's not necessarily always going to make sense. But the kingdom requires us to be all in. You can't be half in, half out. And the man in the field represents not only uh, our individual human response to this all in, like no looking back requirement, but it also represents, the, the man also represents the church's response to this all in, no looking back requirement. Is the church going to be all in on this mystery of the kingdom of God or not? Is the church going to be all in? And I want to, I want to, point out to you really quickly, the man doesn't just buy like a few square feet of the field, right, where the treasure is. The, the parable doesn't say that. The parable doesn't say that the man went to the owner of the field and asked him to section it off so he could buy a smaller part so he could save some of his money and have the treasure. It doesn't say that. It says he sold everything and he bought the entire field. The man in the parable bought the entire field. He was committed to the entire field and all of its benefits. He was committed to the entire uh, field and all of its detriments. He was committed to it all, the good and the bad. Think, think of it. In, in any probably field where farming takes place, there's good soil for, for seeds to grow, right? But there's probably also sinkholes. There's probably also... Uh, Piles of dung, I'll say it that way. There's probably also poison ivy or sticker bushes. There's rats and mice and flies and beetles and spiders. Like there's, there's a ton of bad stuff that goes along with fields as much as there is good stuff. And this man bought the entire field and was committed to the whole thing. He wasn't just, he wasn't just interested in getting the good part. He was committed to the whole thing. Jesus uses this imagery as an analogy for his church. People who aren't just interested in getting the treasure, but who are also committed to caring for the entire field. It's not about going, just going to heaven one day. I say yes so I can go to heaven one day. It's about saying yes to Jesus because we care about what he cares about. And that's other people. And that's this place. Like he cares about this place now. It's about being committed to the entire field and all the good and bad that comes with it. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 says this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. This verse uh, is from the book of Revelation, and the book of Revelation is just one big vision the apostle John has of like the end. After everything ends and Jesus comes back and, and he um, establishes his kingdom forever, right? Or, you know, like reveals his kingdom. Um, the Apostle John has this, this vision of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation before the throne of God worshiping. Every tribe, tongue, nation worshiping. People from all over the world. This is a picture. This is a picture of a church that's committed to the whole field. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 is a picture of a church that's committed to the whole field. If the church can't bring itself to commit to all sorts of human conditions and human behaviors, then the church can't begin to pretend that it represents Jesus. I'll say that again. If the church can't begin to commit to all sorts of human conditions and all sorts of human behaviors, then the church can't begin to pretend that it represents Jesus. 
Because when we don't commit to the whole field, when we don't commit to all sorts of human conditions and behaviors, the church ends up becoming a sign of what Jesus is not about. We end up communicating that Jesus only came for some. Jesus only died for some. Jesus only draws some. Pastor Ryan, what do you mean all sorts of human conditions and behaviors? I mean, the church is for black people. The church is for white people. The church is for brown people. It's for purple people. It's for green people. The church is for rich people. The church is for poor people. The church is for good people. It's for bad people. The church is for smart people. It's for dumb people. The church is for spiritual people. The church is for non-spiritual people. The church, anybody should be able to walk into the church and experience the love of God. And the minute that's not true, we become a sign of what Jesus isn't. The minute people can walk into a church and say, I don't see the love of God there, we become a sign of like, hey, you know what God is? Like, he's the opposite of that. You want to see what God isn't? Look at the church. That's really scary. We have to be committed to the whole field. So the first word was hidden, crypto. The second word, field. The next word I want to unpack and examine today is the word sold. In verse 46, when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, to understand the gravity of this word, we have to understand its use in the original language. Um, The original word Jesus used is a Greek word called piprosko. Now, I don't speak Greek, so excuse me for my um, enunciation of it, but piprosko, one who gives himself up wholly to another's will, to sell one into slavery. Now that might sound jarring. Why would Jesus use that word? Again, Jesus is trying to drive home the point. This is about an all-in commitment. This is about being fully committed to the cause of the king of the kingdom. This is the all-in nature of the mystery of the kingdom. Give yourself up wholly to the cause, to, to someone else's will. Jesus is trying to drive home this point that this all-in commitment is a requirement of the kingdom. Again, you can't be half in and half out. You have to be all in or not in at all. This, in this merchant, this parable, or in this parable, uh, the, the merchant sold everything he had to get the pearl of great value. Everything. Are we willing to sell everything? Are we willing to go all in for the kingdom? It's a question that you have to answer for yourself. Um, I may have told this story before, um, so forgive me, but I'm going to tell it again because it makes my point. Um, When I was 18 years old, um, I didn't know Jesus. I just graduated high school. Um, I was uh, going to college uh, at a pretty large university. I was a criminal justice major, and um, I was working a full-time job, and I had this this truck, really nice truck that I was paying for and, uh, and all this, like I had this path that I was going down and I was trying to create a life for myself, a life separate from Jesus because I didn't know him. Uh, and then at one point I just had this radical encounter with God because someone who was already a Christ follower came and took me under his wing and he showed me Jesus through his, his like his actions and his love. And like, I had this encounter with God and I gave my life to Jesus and, and I decided like, I want you in my life, Jesus. But I knew like I couldn't just go back to life as like normal. 
I couldn't just go back to college. I couldn't just go back to my job. I couldn't just go back to my life about me. I couldn't just add Jesus to, to the mix and think like it was going to work. If I wanted this faith thing to last, if I wanted this um, relationship with God to, to, to work, I knew I couldn't just add Jesus to my life. I had to rearrange my life around him. So I literally and figuratively sold everything. I sold that really nice truck that I worked really hard to get. Um, I dropped out of college, which infuriated my mom, so I could do a discipleship program at this church. Um, I uh, stopped working at the job so I could do this discipleship program. Like, I, I said goodbye to my friends and this girl that I was pursuing. Like I, I, I rearranged everything in my life to go all in because I, something inside me knew I can't just add Jesus to the mix. I have to revolve my life around him. That's what going all in looks like. And I don't tell you that to like pat myself on the back or like make myself look awesome. Hey, be like me. Like that's not what I'm doing. Um, I tell you this to, to make the point. Like this is exactly what the parable is talking about. Going all in, holy, for the, the, the will of another person. Going all in for the cause of the kingdom. In uh, 1519, Spanish explorer uh, Hernan Cortez crossed the Atlantic Ocean with 600 men trying to find the new world. Well, they eventually made landfall in the new world. And as soon as they made landfall, Hernan Cortez gave orders to burn all the ships. Why would he do that? Because he was trying to make the point, we're all in now. There's no turning back. There's no plan B. This is the only plan. We are all in now. And and unfortunately, I think there are many Christians who get frustrated with the way things are going in their lives. Um, And they they wonder things like, man, how come this faith in Jesus thing is so hard? How come it's so difficult? I think there's so many Christians who like, they get frustrated and they wonder like, when is it going to get easier? Because I think they failed to go all in. I think they failed to wholly commit to the cause of the kingdom. They failed to, to wholly give themselves over to the will of their Lord. I think it, it's also hard because, like, it's just hard, right? It goes against every natural instinct we have, but I think most of the time it's difficult because we fail to go all in. When we're all in, there is no plan B. When we're all in, there is no easier option. This is the option. This is the only option. Are you all in, or is there something holding you back? Is there something you're holding on to? Again, that's a question only you can answer with the Lord. Uh, so the first word, hidden, right, that crypto, escape notice. The second word is field, and the field represents the, the human response or the, the church's response to the all-in requirement of the kingdom. The next one, sold, sold. This um, giving yourself wholly to the will of another. And the last word I want to look at today is discovered. Matthew 13, 46. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Unlike the man who found the treasure in the field, this, this merchant was actually searching for the pearl. 
This merchant was actually searching. He was actually on the lookout for it. So this merchant's discovery of the pearl wasn't by accident. It wasn't like lucky. It wasn't fluky. The merchant discovering the pearl was actually the logical result of his utter commitment to the pearl business. The merchant's discovery of the pearl of great value was a result of his commitment to searching. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't lucky. It wasn't fluky. It was a result of his hard work to, to search. So uh, in these parables, we've identified, uh, up, up to this point, we've identified what each of the elements represent, right? Like in the parable of the sower, the sower represents God, and the, the seed is the word of God, that, you know, which is Jesus. And then the parable of the growing seeds, um, the seed represents the kingdom of God. And then the seeds in another parable, they represent the people of God. And, and one of the parables, the woman Working the dough represents God, and then the dough represents the world, and the field represents, you know, like we've identified what each of these elements in these parables represents. Well, then we come to this parable, the pearl of great value, and re we read about a merchant searching for a pearl that's extremely valuable, and possibly the most valuable pearl you could ever find. Like, so who is the merchant in the parable? Who, who does the merchant represent? I submit to you today that in the, pearl, the, the parable of the pearl of great value, the merchant that Jesus is talking about represents humanity. This merchant that Jesus is talking about in this parable, it represents all of humanity. All of humanity is searching for the truth. All of humanity is searching for God. All of humanity is searching for the kingdom of God because humanity was created to worship. We were created to commune with him. We were created to have relationship with him. And when we're not in that, when we don't have relationship with him, when we're not communing with him, we go searching. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 6 and 7 says this, I will say to the north, this is the words of God, I will say to the, say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God created us, humans, for his glory. God created us to be in relationship with him. And again, when we're not in relationship with him, we search for other things to try and fulfill us, to try and make us happy. Humanity is searching for something real. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 23 the Apostle Paul says this, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. All of creation is groaning eagerly to be adopted into the kingdom. All of humanity is searching all of humanity is searching for the truth, searching for God. Every person on this planet desires relationship with God because we were created to need it. The trouble is most people don't recognize it. Most people don't know that they need it. Most people don't understand what that longing is inside of them. But we are all created to be with him. And when we're not, we go searching. And this is what Jesus is talking about in the parable of the pearl of great value. We're all searching. We're all looking for him. 
And when we truly find him, we'll sell everything we have to make sure we keep him. Some, some people out there, right, might hear that argument. People who, you know, make the argument that there is no God or, you know, Jesus isn't God or whatever. Like, people out there would hear that and be like, Pastor Ryan, how can you say everybody's searching? I don't have that longing inside of me. You know, everybody's looking for God, phooey, you know. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's people who, who argue, make arguments like that. His baseless claim is overgeneralized. Well, I would say the countless other philosophies in the world, the countless other religions in the world, the countless other like mysticisms of the world tell me that there's something inside of every single person searching for something. People who have turned uh, politics into a religion, they're searching for something. They're searching for some higher power that they can trust in. We're all searching for something, and Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that when, when humans find what's real and, and true, they'll do whatever they need to do to hold on to it. Worship team, you can come to the platform. Hidden, to escape notice, right? To, it blends in so well or you're not, looking, you're, not, you're not looking for it so it escapes your notice. The field, the field represents the choice to go all in on the mystery of the kingdom of God. Sold to give oneself up wholly to, another, to another's will and discover, not by accident, but as a result of relentless pursuit. These two parables have a central theme running through them, going all in on the mystery of the kingdom of God. Going all in on the mystery of the kingdom of God. And what's that mystery? That the kingdom of God operates in left-handed power. The kingdom of God operates in a way that you and I don't fully understand. And if we're not actively looking for the kingdom, it will escape our notice. If, we're, if the kingdom's here, but we're not actively looking for it, it will escape our notice. We won't even recognize it. We have to open our eyes and our hearts to it. And when we find it, Anything short of selling out to it, anything, anything short of, of going all in for it, keeps the kingdom hidden from other people. Remember, it's our job to reveal the kingdom. That's it. The kingdom's here. It's our job to reveal it. And when we don't go all in for it, we keep the kingdom hidden from those who can't see it yet. But when we go all in and relentlessly search for and pursue the kingdom, we will find it and we will reap all the benefit. We will, we will enjoy it. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says this. This is the words of God speaking to his people. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. To put it in my own words, you will find me when you go all in. You will find me when you go all in. You kind of feel stale in your faith? Go all in. Maybe you have at one point. Maybe you're not anymore. Go all in. Let's be people who go all in for the cause of the kingdom. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. Um,
thank you for this word. Thank you for this morning we've had to come and worship you. I pray, God, that um, this word would um, root itself deep inside our hearts, deep inside our souls, and change us today from the inside out. God, challenge me. Challenge me to go all in if I haven't. If I've been holding back, if I've been holding on to something else, God, help me to submit to you. Help me to fully surrender to you and go all in for the cause of your kingdom. God, and anybody here, anybody here who might be struggling with that idea of going all in or, or surrendering completely or, or um, anything like that, God, I pray, I pray that you would give them peace and you would speak to them in this moment. Thank you, God. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Really quickly, um, I want to take a moment and I just want to respond. It's not going to be long because we're already past time, but um, I want to take a moment and just respond for just a couple minutes. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue the work he's doing. So I want to, I want to ask nobody leave just yet. Don't rush through this moment. Let's pray. Let's meditate. Let's allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. So um, you can stand with me if you'd like, um, but the worship team is going to lead us for a couple minutes and um, let's, God, let's allow God to do his work. God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the ability to come together and worship you corporately. Thank you, God. I pray that, God, we wouldn't be unaffected by your word today, but we would leave here different than we came in. More like you. More submitted to the cause of your kingdom, to the mystery of it. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Uh, before I uh, dismiss really quickly, I just wanted to um, share a few next steps with you. And these next steps are just tangible things we can do to take the message and apply it to our life this week. So the first one is, this week I will examine myself to know whether or not I am truly all in. Again, that's, that's something that I can't do for anybody else. That's something you have to work out with the Lord. Are you all in or is there something holding you back? Uh, the next one is this week I'll memorize Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And then the third one is this week I'll read the parable of the net, which is our next parable, Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 through 50. So let me say one last prayer and we can be dismissed this morning. God, thank you. We love you. We're so grateful, God, that you you've decided to partner with us to reveal your kingdom to a hurting and broken world. Empower us through your spirit, God, to represent you well. Empower us through your spirit, God, to reveal your kingdom through love. We love you, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And finally, to him who loves us and has freed us and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.